Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. How many know it's the Word of God that's going to change your life? Praise God. I, I realize, you know, it's one of those things where people like to come to church to get stirred up, to hear a message, you know, because they're having a fight with their husband or their wife. And I just need a message that will make me feel good. I just need pastor to preach a message so he'll get my husband straight. I need pastor just to, to, to make me uh, get off the, the, the cliff this morning because, man, I'm just about ready to end it all. Listen, I'm telling you what, you can have a good message that will help lift you up, encourage you, or cheerlead you on. But listen, there's nothing that will change your life like the Word of God. Amen. And so I don't know where it's been or, or, or what has changed throughout the culture of our church, but we've gotten away from preaching and teaching the word. Now, I realize that in days gone by, there's uh, uh, individuals such as myself, you know, from an older generation. You know, you're used to hearing preaching and teaching. And, and so there's some things that we've cut our teeth on. And I also realize that, you know, we can share some of those things in relevant ways for today. But you know what? The message does not change. I said the message of the word does not change. The delivery method might change a little bit. You know, how many of you know that when it comes to lights and fog on the, uh, on the stage up here, that, that doesn't make a, a church any more spiritual. You realize that, right? It's just a different method or just a, a, a packaging, if you will, of how we do church. Again, it will change in a few years. I don't know what that will look like, but you know it will change, right? But again, the word does not change. The word is forever settled in heaven. And so therefore, we're purposing to share the word of God that's going to help us. And how many of you remember what the title of our message is called? Don't worry, be happy. And so the word of God will help you not worry, but be happy. How many of you want to be happy? Amen. Some of you got that pucker look on your face is like, well, my husband just made me mad, so I can't be happy right now. So <laughs> hopefully by the end of this message, you'll be happy, all right? How many of you know that when it comes to happiness, happiness, as what we're referring to, is not an emotion or it's not a feeling. Really, it's tied in to the joy of the Lord. And so there is a joy, there is a countenance that a believer can have. Everybody say believer those that are followers of Christ. There is a, an expression and a countenance that a believer can have in spite of the storms of life raging. Aren't you glad? I said, aren't you glad? Amen. Now, what determines whether or not you succumb to the storms of life 
rather than being joyful or being happy is a matter of what you'll agree with. Because you realize that the storm can rage and, and, and basically talk to you. And if you begin to echo what the storm is saying, you'll have what the storm is bringing. Right? You know, sickness, poverty, lack, stress, worry, depression. Right? Whatever comes or whatever the storm brings, if you'll allow yourself to succumb to it and disagree with it, yeah, I guess I got it. Amen. How many of you have ever had somebody pray for you or you've been prayed for or you prayed yourself and you thought you got the answer from God but then the next day you feel something you're like, well, I guess I didn't get it. You realize your feeling was not, is not the, the basis of whether or not you received from God. It's your faith. And how many of you know that your faith is the determiner of not things seen but your expectation of God's word? Right? And so once again, we got a purpose to choose to not worry and be happy. Say, I'm going to be happy. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, be happy. For those of you that are saying it, it sounds like you need to get happy. You sound a little bit depressed this morning. Don't worry, be happy, all right? Praise God. Well, I want to bring your attention this morning to a particular passage of Scripture that you're familiar with. And I'll paraphrase or just kind of highlight it just a little bit as we get started here. But it's found over in Luke chapter 4. And if you recall, it's the story when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Bible says that he was tempted for 40 days and for 40 nights. Now, the temptation by which he received or was under pressure of was the same kind of pressures of temptation that each and every one of us experience. He was tempted in his flesh man, his physical body, he was tested in his soulical realm, or his soulical man, which is his mind, his will, and his emotions. And he was also tempted in his spirit man. And that's where the enemy tempts you and I, just as he did Jesus. And as we begin to see this, the examples, first of all, the Bible tells us this. It says that he was hungry because he was tempted for 40 days. He had been going without Food, and the Bible says he was getting hungry, and so the enemy or the devil says to him, says, hey, why don't you take these stones and turn them into bread? You know you can do it, and after all, you're hungry. Well, so how was he tempting Jesus? He was tempting the flesh man, the natural man, that was hungry. Now listen, I've looked, I'm looking across the, the crowd, and some of you, I know that you've not skipped too many meals. But you know how it is. If you've gone all day and you've not eaten, you start to say, I'm hungry. I could pick on you because then if I pick on you, it don't draw attention to me because I know I haven't missed many meals either. You can see that. Amen. Right? Hey, hey, hey. We don't need any. Uh, that was amen and at the wrong time. Okay. <laughs> but right, you understand what I'm saying. You don't have to go very long without eating in your flesh or your body. Your natural man's appetite starts to say, I want something to eat. Right? And so he was tempted in his body. Then uh, the, the Bible says that he came and says, now listen. He says, all authority has been given to me. He says, now. He says, if you'll bow down and worship me, he says, I'll give you this authority because I can give it to whoever I want. And so you would start to think, well, what kind of authority can he give him? And what kind of authority did he really have? Well, you, first of all, you have to understand that Jesus 
came, and one of the sole reasons that Jesus came was to pay the price on the cross so that he could redeem man's authority back to him the way that God originally made him in the garden. Because man had authority, had dominion over everything in the earth, and therefore that's what he lost when sin entered the earth, and that's what Jesus came back to give back to man. And so when he says, I got authority, well, how did he get authority? Well, when man sinned, that authority was given over into Satan's hand, right? And so therefore, he had the opportunity or had the ability to say, I'll give this authority to whoever I want to. And so if Jesus, his sole purpose was to come and die on the cross... And if he can get this authority just by making a simple act of bowing down and worship, well, then that must mean that I don't have to go through all this agony. I don't have to go through all this pain. I don't have to go to the cross. So he was tempted in his spirit to derail the assignment on his life. Then the last one we see that he says to him, he says, well, you know, he says, well, why don't you just throw yourself off this mountain? And he says, you know, the Bible says that God has given his angels charge over you unless you dash your foot against a stone. He said, just throw yourself off here. And he says, you know, God's angels will take care of you and save you. And so what was he being tempted? He was being tempted in his soulish, his mind, his will, and his emotions. Now, you might say, well, how does, how, how does that bear reference? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever known somebody or have you, maybe yourself, ever contemplated suicide? Think, man, dear God, I'm just going to shoot myself in the head. I'm just going to drive off the, the road and crash into the bridge. Well, who thinks that way, normally speaking? Because your emotions know that possibly if I run into this, guard, this, this uh, uh, cement column, it just might hurt a little bit. You know, if I put a gun to my head and, and if I don't do the job, I mean, it might hurt a whole lot and I might be just left a vegetable, right? So just ordinary, common thinking people don't think, well, I'm just going to end my life. So what that means is, is that there's emotions, there's a will, there's some things in my solical realm that I get to where the enemy presents temptation. And so we again see that Jesus was tempted just like, I, like we are, just like you and me, in our flesh, in our soul, and in our natural man. Now I want you to understand something here as well. This is just a little bit of a side note. But when Jesus was tempted, he was tempted as 100% man. He laid down his deity to come to this earth. And so when he was tempted, he was tempted 100% as a man, and therefore the temptation was a temptation to him. And what I mean by that is that it cannot be a temptation if you don't ponder or consider the option. Are you tracking with me? My point is this, is that when you're tempted, in order for you to be tempted, you have to be presented with an option and you have to give thought to the option of will I do it or will I not do it? So Jesus was tempted and contemplated the temptation that the enemy was presenting before him. Yet he resisted and overcame the temptation. But how did Jesus overcome the temptation? Does anybody know? If you know the answer, just, just holler it out real quick. The Word. 
and how he responded to the temptation. He said, devil, it is written. Amen. He said, it's written. And therefore, because he answered the temptation, we see that he overcame the temptation by the word. Now, listen, we'll come back to that in just a moment. So hold on to that. Just set it to the side for a moment because we're going to pick back up there again. All right? So Jesus was tempted, spirit, soul, and body, just like you and I. He was tempted to be worried about what he was presented with. But Jesus overcame the worry. All right, another one, uh, example I want to give to you is found over in Mark chapter 9. And again, for the sake of time, we won't read it. But if you recall, this is the story where the father came and he had a son that was tormented by a, an unclean spirit. He would oftentimes have uh, 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 seizures. And the Bible says that the man went to the disciples and the disciples couldn't do anything to set him free. And so finally he comes to Jesus and he says, this, this is my son. And so Jesus begins to ask him some questions. He says, well, how long has he been this way? And he tells him, he says, well, he's been, it's been this long. And then as he's talking with Jesus, the Bible says that the evil spirit convulsed him and he fell down right in front of Jesus. And then he says this in verse 22. Jesus says, if you can believe... He says, all things are possible to him who believes. And then the Bible says, uh, 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 or no, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. In verse 22, the man said to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So what took place? The thing that stressed and worried and troubled the father concerning his son. And I don't know what parent has not ever carried the, 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 the temptation of worry when your child is going through difficult times that you can't control. Right? And so this man cries out because of worry. He says, Jesus, if you can do anything, please help us. And then Jesus responds. He says, well, if you can believe. Not only can you hear the fear and the worry in the voice of the man or the father. The Bible says he comes back and he says with tears. He says, I believe. He says, but help my unbelief. So what does that mean? The Bible, uh, the Bible tells us that this man had grief and worry and stress because of what was going on with his son. He was coming to Jesus with the, with, with the question of, of, can you help me? And Jesus says, well, I can if you can believe. He says, well, I, I'm, I'm, I believe, but I'm struggling in my believing as well. Help my unbelief. Has anybody ever been there before? Oh, dear God. We all wrestle with that. We know that God can we know that God wants to, but there's some times where we say, but God will you, right? And there's those times where we say, God, I do believe, but God help my unbelief. Well, what is the struggle or what is the battle in that moment? It's fear and it's worry, right? It's the temptation to be fearful and to be worry, worrying about what's going on in our lives, but one of the things that we see as a result of that example is that the Bible says the, the, the torment of the young boy was the result of an evil spirit. I said the torment was the result of an evil spirit. 
And so what was the torment of the evil spirit that was also tormenting the father with worry and fear? The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and soundness of mind. So if you have entertained fear, or when you go home and you sense an environment of stress and worry, it's not an emotion. It's the presence of a spirit. And it's not from God. Well, we saw that Jesus took authority over that spirit. Did he not? Yeah, he cast it out. But also, you might say, well, that's Bible time. You, you say, well, you know, that's, that's just things that we saw in the Bible. No, listen, it's the same today. I said fear and worry is driven by demonic spirits or devilish spirits. I'll give you an example. There's a young lady just recently told my wife this story. She said uh, she lives in a subdivision. This woman uh, serves God, loves God, is always willing to tell somebody about Jesus. And she said she, she was in her backyard and there was, <clears throat> excuse me, in the neighborhood, you know, a subdivision, there's neighbors right behind her and there's a fence that separates it. And she said there's this woman that lives behind her and she lives all by herself. And she said that all through the COVID period of time, this woman has isolated herself and has, has just uh, uh, become kind of a hermit in her house. In fact, there's been multiple times that she said uh, during the last two years, she would try to reach out to her or say hi or, you know, go to say uh, hi to her next to the fence. And the woman said, now don't get too close. Stay over on your side of the fence. I don't want to catch anything. And so this past week, this woman said she saw this next door neighbor lady out on the back step and she says you know what I'm just gonna go over there and say hi to her you know this woman just been cooped up in her house for the last two and some years she goes, I'm gonna go over there and say hi to her so she starts to say hi and have this conversation and the woman starts grumbling and complaining and says I'm so depressed I've been cooped up in my house for these last few years I'm just so depressed and this young lady says to her, she says, well, isn't it about time that you just stop being depressed and come out of that house and get free? And the woman responds to her and says, I've been depressed for the last 40 years. But that wasn't the end. Then the voice said, and I know who you are and I've been watching you. And then she proceeds to say something to her that only this woman would know. And it was something that she was tempted to worry about. And there was no way that the person knew what she was dealing with. What's my point? The spirit that she yielded to, to be depressed and give place into her life, the spirit said, hello. I see you, and I know who you are. And by the way, I also know this. I'm saying the same things that the Bible says was the producer of fear and worry is the same source of fear, fear and worry today. And it is a devilish spirit that wants to torment you. Amen? Now, I don't say that to make anyone fearful. Because the Bible says that the devil's under our feet. 
Come on, say it with me. Say, he's under my feet. Amen. I just got me some new tenny boppers, man. He's under these new pumas right now. Woo, come on, somebody. He's under my feet. Is he under your feet? Amen. So there's no reason to be fearful or worried to say, oh, dear God, is there a spirit that's making me worry? Well, that's the source of it, but you don't have to be fearful or worried about the worrying spirit because you've got the victory. Come on, say it with me. I've got the victory. Amen. All right, let me also bring your attention to this scripture. It says over here in Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26, starting in verse 2, it says, Open the gates that the righteous nations which keep the truth may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, or Yahweh the Lord, he says he's an everlasting strength. Now, one of the reasons that you can be fear, uh, free from fear or worry is because you are the righteousness of God. And the Bible says that the gate is open wide to those that are righteous. It didn't just say that the windows cracked. It didn't just say that the door was made ajar. No, it says that the gates are open. Amen. To the righteous. To those that put their trust in God. The gates are open unto us. Why? Because we trust our God. And it says when the gates are open and because we trust Him, He will keep us in perfect peace. Now why? Because our minds are stayed on Him. Amen. So what's that mean? My focus is going to be on Him. My focus has got to be on the one that brings me peace. My focus has got to be on the one that has already won the victory. And therefore, if he's won the victory, I've won the victory. But the enemy does such a good job to try to steer your focus and attention on the thing that he wants you to worry about. Has anybody had good practice at that? Oh, sure. We all have good opportunities to lose our focus. But once again, as we see Jesus... Jesus being the example. When there was the temptation that came, when there was an opportunity to lose focus, what did he do? He responded to the temptation by saying, It is written. It is written. In other words, he was saying, My mind is stayed on him. I know who I serve, I know who I am, I know what the Word says, and therefore, it is written. And because it's written, I don't have to succumb to the fear and the worry and the temptation that this foul spirit wants to bring. Amen? Not only that, what did he say? He did not just say, it is written. He followed that up by saying, Satan, get behind me. Amen. So what does that mean? The enemy tries so good to, to bring the presentation of the thing to worry about. Oh, take a look at this. Did you hear what the doctor said? Did you see what the bank account said? Did you see how this happened and what's going on here? I want to bring this right out into the front so you can see it. But Jesus says, no, listen, I'm not going to allow that to take the place of my focus out in front of me. In fact, the word has gone out in front of me. And therefore, I declare what the word has said. And that's where my mind has been stayed on. And therefore, I'm telling you, you're not going to be out in front. Get behind me and stay back there. Amen. You'll have to make the choice of what you'll allow to be a priority in your life. If you're worrying, if you're carrying pressure and stress, if you're depressed, 
then you've allowed whatever it is that the enemy has brought to take center stage in your life. Now, I'm not saying that it's not a temptation to let it stay there. But how did Jesus handle it? He said, my mind has been stayed on the word and it is written. You see, the word of God is what our minds need to be stayed on. It's the word that will bring about peace because it's in the word in which we trust by which we come to know his faithfulness. And therefore, we can walk in perfect peace. When the bills stack up, when the uh, doctors say, it's the word that ought to come bubbling up and take center stage in our life. The doctor says, and he says, but wait a minute, the word of God says, by his stripes I am healed. He sent his word to heal my diseases. Yeah, but did you know how much the bill for the doctor is going to cost? You might be healed, but you're still going to be left with all these bills. Well, that's okay because Philippians 4.19 says, and my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So therefore, if there's a bill, it's his bill. He's got to take care of it. Amen. You see, the enemy doesn't just hit you face on. He'll come from the side. He'll come from the back. He wants to continually try to present or bring center stage the thing to worry about. But our minds have to be stayed on the Word of God. And we have to do as Jesus said, it is written. You get behind. Amen. But now, isn't it interesting Jesus is the Word. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And He came and dwelt among us in the flesh. Right? He is the Word. So therefore, when Jesus said, It is written, you know what He's saying? He said, I've already told you once before. Let me tell you again. I've already said it. I've already established it. But for your sake of hearing, I'm going to tell you again. Get behind me. Amen. You see, the word ought to be that settled on the inside of us. So that when the opposition does come, oh, wait a minute. I've already been here. I've already sent the word. But for the sake of remembering, let me just remind you, it's written. Amen? Look what it says here in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, <clears throat> verse 11. says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect, any effect uh, useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Did you notice it said that the word, the word that proceeds out of my mouth. See, Jesus answered the temptation. He didn't keep silent. He just didn't think about it. Well, there's a good scripture that could be applied right here. No, the Bible says it is written. He spoke the word. He responded to the worry. He responded to the temptation. And it says that the word departed from his mouth, which can depart from our mouth. And it says that it goes forth. And as it goes forth, it says it will not return void. It will produce, uh, or it, will not, uh, it won't return void without producing or having effectiveness or being useless. It will accomplish that which I please and what I purpose. And it shall prosper where I send it. 
Amen. When's the last time you started sending the word in your circumstance? You got a doctor's appointment. You can start sending the word before you even get to the doctor's appointment. You can have an appointment or an interview for a job. You can send the word before, the, before you ever get there. And the word can begin to work in the interview before you ever get there. The bills can be all messed up and the, the, the money can be not there. You can begin to send the word before you even get any tax. Uh, not tax, but uh, the foreclosure in the, in, in the mail. Amen. Because the word works. And I send it. And it's, it, it goes to prosper and produce where I send it and where it goes. Amen. Now I'm going to give you this a natural example. Hopefully this will help. Just a little bit. But in here, I have some water balloons. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Here's a little mini, mini, mini. A little baby. Come on. Ready? You got to catch it. <laughs> well, if Dad said do it, I'm going to get the big one. <laughs> All right, ready? Here we go. Oh. Didn't catch it. It didn't break those. But listen, it says that the word is sent. The word is sent. So I want to give you an illustration here. How many of you want me to throw this balloon at you? Anybody? Raise your hand if you want me to throw it at you. Really? I, I, I know what you would do. You would lean over toward the wife and then you would step back just for the balloon. Man, I, listen, I don't want to do that to your wife. <laughs> well, listen, most everybody in here says, no, I don't want you to throw the balloon at me because I don't want to experience the result of missing the balloon or the balloon hitting me, right? I don't want it to explode or, or get me wet. And it's just a little balloon. But listen, did you know the explosive power that the Word of God has when you send it somewhere? Amen. And the enemy surely don't want you to send the word, but if you just keep silent, the word does not go anywhere. The temptation is waiting for you. He's already strategizing for you to get there. He's going to present you a great opportunity of worry. So what are you doing? Are you sending the word or are you just sitting on it? Or is the word just sitting on the coffee table? Amen. Well, here, I'm going to send the word. You ready? All right, there we go. Go back deep, man. Let's see if we can do this again. All right. I'm going to send the word again. Woo! Oh, he caught it. Oh, he's going deep this time, man. Come on. Woo! I might have to get my pitching arm ready. You ready? All right. <laughs> hey, give him a hand, will you? <laughs> Thank you, Colin. What did I do? I'm using that as an illustration to send the word. To send it. And Jesus said to Satan, it is written, or in other words, it has already been sent. But the word does not detonate to the place which you sent it until it's activated by your words. The word says. Let me share this scripture with you. John chapter 17 starting in verse 21 because here's the thing that we oftentimes do well that was jesus jesus was the son of god jesus had authority and power that's why satan and all those spirits had to listen to him 
He was 100% man, yet he was 100% God, yet he laid down his deity, and everything he did on this earth, he did as a man. And he did it as a man so that you and I could know that as men or women, we could do exactly what he did. But listen to this. Because we could, again, explain it away and say, well, Jesus is God. All right, if that was simply where you left it, let me share this verse with you. In John chapter 17. John chapter 17 Starting in verse 21, it says, That they also may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, which is the word, verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So if you wanted to try to disqualify it and say, well, it was just Jesus, Jesus said, I made them just like me because they and me and he are one and if it works for me it'll work for you so learn to send the word amen how many of you know that there's times that sickness is going to present itself send the word amen poverty and lack is going to want to creep up on your doorstep send the word how do you send it? You meditate on it. Keep your mind stayed, and then you activate it with your words. Amen? So, as you begin to experience things, as you have the opportunity to worry, I just threw the balloons towards Kyle. Kyle is the place of great opportunity to be worried. That might represent sickness. That might represent poverty. That might represent depression. That might represent marital problems. But I sent the word. And if you send the word, and as you get closer to the problem, you might start to hear something like this. Huh. Wow. But what is that? What is that sound? Oh, it's just the voice of God. Amen. And as I continue to get closer to the circumstance, and as the devil wants to present it, make it look bigger, oh, it just simply gets louder. What is it that I hear? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but wait a minute. The enemy wants to make it look real big. He wants to make it look like this is... Never-ending impossibility. God can't even take care of this. And I get closer to the problem, closer to the situation. Worries in my face. And I want to hear the problem. But what do I hear? Ha-ha! <laughs> you see, as I send the word, as I've detonated it with my words, I hear the victory song that says, Don't worry, say it with me. Be 
happy. Amen. Come on, stand up with me. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of this this morning? Amen. If you don't leave this place whistling this song, something wrong with you. Amen. I hope it sticks with you. All right, I'm going to pray over you. You can keep the music playing. Just turn it down a little bit. For those of you that are watching online, if you've been struggling with worry, this prayer applies to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person in this place and watching and listening online. In the name of Jesus, we speak to that spirit of fear, that spirit of worry, that spirit of confusion and divisiveness. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over you. We send forth the word and we thank you, Father, right now. We are free in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that, Lord, it is written. And therefore we say, Satan, get behind us in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life, we would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.